Hey, welcome back to the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. I'm your host, Yaden Smith, and this week we have a, a very, actually, I, I, I think I can legitimately say a unique business in not just Somerville, which is where y'all are located, but a unique business in the whole Charleston metro area. I think that's fair yeah. to say. We have Andrew with Vertical Roots. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So we met, uh, it was the very first Saturday of the Somerville Farmer's Market. That's right. Which is, uh, I mean, that's our go-to for my family. And now we're good. Um, it was the first Saturday of the Farmer's Market, right? Yep. And I'm almost positive I had all of my four associates with me. You did. All four kids. Because like, like the, the Farmer's Market, that's our, that's our Saturday jam. <laughs> Everybody's like, I ate my eggs this morning so I can have my treat at the <laughs> farmer's market. It's definitely a fun family outing. Oh my gosh. So we go, you know, we get, um, we get eggs from Wishbone Heritage or Prevost. We get sausage from Sunny Cedar and sometimes Wishbone Heritage. We get veggies from Ron's Roots. That particular day, we got uh, a bag of your salad mix. Yep, our spring mix. Spring mix, which was delicious. Awesome. Glad to hear. By the way. And um, that's when we met. And I don't want to take away from what y'all do. What is Vertical Roots? Great you question. Know, so vertical share with us like like the story because not only what you do is fascinating, but how you got there I think is is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a little bit about the company itself. Mm -hmm. uh, vertical Roots is an indoor farming company. So we have a sister company, Tiger Corner Farms, that does all of our manufacturing. And what I mean by that is we take an old uh, decommissioned shipping container that's no longer seaworthy. And a blank canvas is brought over to our team at Tiger Corner, and they upfit it with a aeroponic growing system. So it allows us to grow almost 4,000 plants. For us, it's lettuce right now is what mm -hmm. we focus on. And uh, we're able to do that every month. Uh, and what's beautiful about that is... Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, my mind just is... So first off, aeroponics, for those who don't know, is a, growing in the air. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly that. So it's a... There's no dirt. It's a soilless way of growing. Um, some people might be familiar with hydroponics. Yeah, right. Hydroponics is very similar to aeroponics in the sense that the roots actually sit in a body of water typically. And then you just said 4,000 plants? Per container. Per container? Yeah, per and farm. is that per month? Per month. Per month? Per month. Okay, now, I'm sorry. So we're going to go all over the place here with this conversation, but a traditional, you know, soil-based farm... In how many square feet would be the equivalent? An acre? That's, Two so acres? That's, that's a, no, 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 like, like to grow just for pure space. Yeah, you'd definitely be around an acre. And, okay, that, and so that's an the acre. first question we always get is, well, what does this compare to to outdoors? And well, how many, how many units of lettuce can one acre of dirt grow over the course of a year? So, so even further that question, no. where are you growing? Because if it's in the southeast in a hot, humid climate like we right. have, hardly any. You're lucky if you get a really good harvest. Because it's going to wilt. The sun's just going to like, it's, yeah. It's going to bolt. Um, lettuce is a cold weather crop. Right. 95% of leafy greens actually come from California and Arizona. So you can imagine everything that you're consuming, whether it be in the grocery store or in a restaurant, is typically being trucked. It's taking you know, at least 15. 24 hours to get here. Oh, gosh. At it's least. taking almost two weeks. Two oh weeks. Gosh. The average average spring mix or head of lettuce that, that you're going to see or eat is going to be two to three weeks old. And that's the biggest difference. People always ask, why is yours taste different? What's the secret <laughs> recipe? There's no, there's no secret sauce, What's the per secret se. sauce? <laughs> it's simply that what you're consuming from us has typically been pulled out of our system the day before. The roots are still attached. It's still a living plant. And uh, it makes a big difference in that quality and that freshness, which wow. taste. So. 
So even so, th- there's so many variables. Basically, an acre of dirt farming for lettuce sound, I mean, can't even compare. You, you really, yeah, you can't because we're turning it's apples a, to oranges. Right, you're turning. We're we're growing a lot faster. Yeah. So we're able to grow in about half the time it usually takes outdoors. Because uh, you have you have a totally controlled climate. Totally controlled. So our other company, we have three companies, a family mm-hmm. of companies, okay. if you will. Um, Boxcar Central is a technology platform also located here in Somerville. They started off as a warehouse management software system and quickly realized that... I see all these co- all these companies need each other. Yeah. No, very much so. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's what's allowed us, to, I think, to have the success so early on mm-hmm. is we are... Th- three small companies that I'm able to go right next door and give feedback to our tech team and say, Hey, this is what I need coded or changed in our software. I'm not calling some big company in California, pleading with them as one out of 2000 customers hoping to make a change. Yeah. And and their day didn't start until three hours in to our day. Right. 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 So it it definitely has given us a leg up in in that capacity. And so right now we're at 13 containers. So to to further blow your mind that that 4,000 is really any, you know, around a hundred thousand plants per month that are growing in some some phase of life right now. So many questions, you know, racing through my, like, where are these 13 containers? Now, now, what size are the containers? Yeah, so it's a standard shipping container. Okay, uh, and standard it's, it's is? about 40 feet. 40 feet by uh, eight, 8 feet? 8, 9 feet, you know, interior. Okay. So you're looking at, call it around 300, 320 square feet. So that really kind of puts things in perspective. Yeah. We have our main headquarters here in Somerville, uh, six containers. So okay. round that out to 1,800 square feet of actual growing capacity, and that's producing roughly 25,000 heads of lettuce a month. So I mean, something that's a wow. you know a modest sized home for most people is producing enough to feed school districts and grocery stores, and predominantly, uh, I would say most of the restaurants in the Charleston area now. And nobody knows about this. The only reason I know about it is because I saw you guys at the farmer's market. Yep. We're, now that we're in the grocery stores, we're starting to see a little bit more of that, oh uh, that brand goodness. awareness kind of happening organically. So it's pretty neat to have people stop me and say, hey, I see you in the stores. So wow. we're getting there. Yeah, getting for there. real. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's insane. So six containers here in Somerville. Yep, six containers here in Somerville. Um, we're actually expanding our relationship with Ashley Ridge High School. So mm-hmm. part, of, okay. what those, yeah. part of what those six containers they do. Have, uh, Bobby has a booth at the farmer's market as often as not. Every now and then he's not there, but they do a lot of farming out there at Ashley Ridge. Yep, so they have one That's of the awesome. largest ag programs, if not the yeah. largest in the state. Um, beautiful piece of property, greenhouses, the whole nine. That's what allowed us to start working with the schools last year. So we okay. actually su- uh, supply all 25 schools with their, their lettuce needs throughout the year. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we had one container out there. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say you supply 25 schools? The entire Dorchester County District 2, all of their lettuce now comes from the Ashley Ridge Vertical Roots relationship. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's about uh, 3,000 heads of lettuce a week. That all those kids and and the coolest thing about that is talk about having an impact while building a business. Oh my goodness! The I'm, health I'm, benefits, I'm watching, nutrient benefits, exactly. And it's it, what's fascinating to me is it's the elementary schools and the middle schools yeah. that are seeing to me seeing the most growth in terms of how much consumption. You know what what you think a small school with small kids maybe a case or two of lettuce has climbed to 10, 15 cases, and that's usually what if I'm lucky a high school consumes. So it's nice right. to see these young kids oh, really yes you know taking wow. taking advantage of having that well, fresh food. Because it tastes so much better. And it looks different. It really yeah. is it's, it's aesthetically appealing, too. It's yeah. not a bag of iceberg lettuce that just looks bland and maybe is a little, a little mushy. Yeah. So mm. it's totally different for, uh, for what they're used to so eating. So how did you get to here? You know, and now, now granted, you know, we don't have any 90-minute episodes. I was going to say, so how, do we have all weekend? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, what's the Reader's Digest version? Which, by the way, I don't know if you know what Reader's Digest version means because there is no Reader's Digest anymore. That's, that's heartbreaking to my mother. Right. It's, right. It's, it's like, you know, give us the condensed version of how did you get to Vertical Roots? 
Uh, so I'll, I'll start kind of back from the beginning, but yeah. keep it short for you. Um, I had always been really big into all things plants and animals. Uh, even at a young age, sounds crazy to, to look at kids now. I was working in a pet store, fish tank consulting uh, from ages 9 to 15. What well, fish tanks are the coolest part of the pet store. And they were. I had a, <laughs> had a lot of fun. I got to, uh, <laughs> I used to have clients that would actually pick me up to take me to their restaurant or their hair salon, <laughs> wherever their tank was. And I had a whole separate business just servicing and maintaining tanks around uh, Hilton Head Island where I grew up. Nice. So also was raising orchids when I was little. Uh, fast forward into the more recent years, uh, had a lot of personal changes go on in my life. Uh, relocated from Florida back to South Carolina to be closer to the family. Welcome back. Yep. It's been, it's been actually a decade uh, this this year, nice. 10 years back in the, in the good old South Carolina. And uh, unfortunately, lost my dad a couple years ago. And oh. that really made me kind of rethink what it was I was doing. I used yeah. to be you know, to me, I've always enjoyed the pursuit of, of a business and creating something from nothing and how much can I make of that? And a lot of that was monetarily driven as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I was in insurance okay. uh, doing very well monetarily, but not really getting what I needed, the fulfillment that I personally wanted out of it. And when you have something like the loss of a spouse, parent, you know, anyone that's that's close to you. You have that um, internal come to Jesus meeting. You do. Like, mm, you really do. What you, am I doing? It makes you kind of rethink of what's important in life and life's precious and and short and what do you want out of it? And I decided, um, a good friend of mine had been talking about it. He'd always kind of dabbled on the side, having a little, uh, kind of makeshift grow operations with peppers and tomatoes and lettuce at home. And he said, you know, I would love to have the opportunity sometime where I could get paid to do this for a living. And fast forward a couple years ago, we are fortunate enough to meet, um, this, uh, father daughter team that, that owns Tiger Corner Farms and Boxcar Central and uh, reached out to them saying I wanted to buy one of their containers, uh, one of these farms, when they were first starting mm-hmm. out. And uh, that relationship just kind of grew and grew to where we, we actually merged companies. Um, we now have common ownership with them. I'm the general manager of Vertical Roots. So what kind of started off as just a side hobby for my buddy and I that we knew we wanted to go somewhere but didn't know how to take it. You know. Now there are 18 containers. Now, yeah, thir- 13. Thir- 13, sorry, 13, sorry. But four more in production, so not, not too far off from 18. Wow. We'll be at 17 in the next month. And that's actually some of those are going to that school campus. We're going to start working with Ben Gibson and the Ashley Ridge program over there to not only have the kids hands on, but actually create an educational curriculum around it, too, so they can learn all the STEM, you know, right. being able to have yeah. access to the technology and you know, the coding development that goes into the automation. Well, and what you have now, you have like you have the ag and the STEM combining. Right. Because right. you're growing lettuce, but you're growing lettuce almost more so with technology. Absolutely. Than anything else. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, yeah. You're, you're seeing what I enjoy the most about it is you're touching to me on one of the last industries mm-hmm. that hasn't had a whole lot of advancements or changes. If anything, it's declined. You have a, a population of farmers that are aging out of the industry and not a whole lot of people having interest coming into it. But in the last five or 10 years, what I call CEA, controlled environmental agriculture, has become trendy for lack of a better word. Yeah, there you go. And uh, especially for, for the younger generations, the the millennials and so forth and even even beyond that, women. So an well, industry and, that and typically also just, is, you know, with your background in real estate, you know, it's not cheap to buy dirt. Right. Dirt is not cheap. Right. And neither is farming equipment, whether yeah. it's outdoors or indoors. No, uh, you know, a, a big John Deere tractor, my dad and uncle, they have one, it's, it's like 15 grand. Yeah. And that's not even a ginormous one. Right. Yeah, you get into these big production facilities, and they have million-dollar pieces of equipment. Now, yeah. that machinery allows them to automate things on a different way outdoors. Right. <clears throat> excuse me. And 
but produce, you still have to have 600 acres. Right. 6,000 acres, yeah. you know, 60,000 acres. I mean, these are huge, huge facilities because, I mean, again, they're, these are cash crops. You're having to grow a head of lettuce and sell it for 50 cents and make money on it. And we it's, were driving it's to Beaufort, and when we, 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 we went on a trip to Beaufort, year to Hunting Island. That's where it was, Hunting Island. And yep. while we were there, we drove to one of these old abandoned forts over on John's Island. No, not on John's Island, down wherever Beaufort is. And I remember it was like five miles nonstop tomato farms on each side, hidden. Like if you didn't know they were there, you wouldn't know. Right. It was like, I don't know how many thousands of acres of tomatoes were growing there. And I'm thinking the applications of aeroponic farming. I mean, my mind is just like, <laughs> you can't see the smoke coming out of my ears. <laughs> no, wow. and, and there's, there's yeah. definitely a need for it, right? I mean, the way the population, just, just our country alone, I mean, mm-hmm. don't even Southeast Asia and Asia in general has been after trying to produce their own crops sustainably for years and years. They, same in Europe. I mean, right. you have advancements in, in the Netherlands and Sweden and places that, I mean, they already have AI. They have robots actually working their farms. So not only is it you know, automated through technology and cloud-based software, it's, it's being done by All those movies from machines. the 90s, we are in them. We are in them. <laughs> so you, you look at it from that aspect and just the decline of resources we have, the, the ever-rising cost mm-hmm. of land and those resources as well, and then you couple that with the population growth. In the next five or ten years, we're, we're going to be far from being able to keep up with our own country's yeah. need. So, you know, I always tell people we are not trying to replace or ever say we're better than traditional ag. We simply want to supplement it. Right. You know, the fact that 95% of a six-plus billion dollar industry just comes from two states on the West Coast. I mean, think about what that can mean from an economical standpoint. Yeah, if and that too. Hiccup, well, we yeah. just saw that, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, the fast food places uh, even near us on the farms here had big signs yeah. out when they couldn't use uh, romaine lettuce anymore because they sourced it back to Yuma, Arizona being the outbreak cost that we just had. Uh, right a month ago. Um, I think it was McDonald's or someone else I was just reading about how to take 17,000 units of lettuce or salads off of their store's shelves because they had some other kind of outbreak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what we're doing is definitely um, a totally... Decentralizing it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the biggest that's piece incredible. of it. Yeah, that's especially in, in to do that, you really have to do it indoors because like I said, you don't have the climate in the Southeast right. like you have on the West Coast. Yeah. Wow. That's just the only word I can think of that describes this is, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. So that was a very, I guess, long answer to your short question of how I got into it. But just So first off, listeners, check out their website, which is, I mean, you just search Vertical Roots online. They'll find you. Yep. Verticalroots.com. Verticalroots.com. Um, we're looking to actually expand that website. It's more of a kind of a landing page, but it right. gives you a good little background on, on what we do. You can see photos of the inside of a you container. Can, it's super cool. Where our products are. Um, so as I mentioned, we, you know, we offer all the salads now or the lettuce for the salads at all the schools. Um, but we also now are in, I think, 11 grocery stores, soon to, soon to be 15 wow. grocery stores from here to, to North Mount Pleasant. Um, we work with a great nonprofit partner called Grow Food Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and they yep. are, they're simply there to help that small farmer distribute their product, yeah. right? Most farmers are good at growing their crops, not necessarily knowing how to, how to ha- handle that sales channel, and they've done an incredible job the last, I guess, five or six years of really, really tapping into the market. And so we work with 50, 60 restaurants now in any given week uh, wow. through them as well. So it's, that's been an awesome relationship for us to... So I grew up in Somerville. But I moved out to El Paso right after high school, went to college there, was in youth ministry for a decade, and I've been back now for eight years, I think. 
And it's interesting. You say you've been back in the area for 10, 10 years, yeah, right? Yeah, 10 years, yeah. But so I, when, when, you, when did you leave? What, what year was it when you left? Uh, so I grew up in Hilton Head, yeah, which is not Hilton too far Head, yeah. from here. Uh, and I, I graduated high school there in 2004 and, and moved that summer down to Tampa, Florida. Because I don't remember the juggernaut of local food, local farms when I was growing up. No. And then I came home to, and I'm like, what? There's this ginormous farm-to-table movement that didn't exist when we were when we were little, it didn't. I can remember. It didn't. No, unfortunately, a lot of that had died out. You know, a lot of the smaller mom and pop operations. Yeah. Um, again, they either retired and kind of aged out of the industry, or just couldn't sustain. You know, it's become a very competitive place mm-hmm. to be in, um, in the industry as well. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see that. You know, there for a while, it's become again so trendy that people are like, oh yeah, farm to table, but. Uh, it's it means something though when you can sit down in a restaurant and know that. But what y'all are doing is not just trendy. I mean, like you have this. No, I mean we're we're <laughs> yeah. trying to create a. You shift. have documentation. It's like this works. This is our product. This is our process, and we have all this distribution for all over the place in yep. the Low Country. No, we, it's amazing. We, we truly, you know, we're we're starting here in the Low Country. Uh, we want to, you know, grow out organically and be in the southeast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately my goal over the next few years is to really have a, a large national presence with our brand. And the nice thing is we don't have to have it just come out of the States. We'll be able to open up operations right. and, and deploy our The whole point farms. is for the lettuce to come from, you know, yep. a day's drive away exactly. at most. Exactly. And That's so awesome. really trying to help re- recreate right. and re- you know, have people rethink how it is that we source our food and where our food comes from and how we eat. You talk about rethink where our food comes from, and let's let's segue from your story. I mean, what we're going to talk about this whole time is your story, but with what y'all do and your background and what you've seen just from the industries you've been in, you know, the advice givers part of the show. What are some pieces of advice that you can give our listeners? You know, we're just average people trying to get through the day. What can we do? What can we do to make life to to better ourselves to better our life? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and you know, I always I always look. Yes, we're starting to become you know kind of leaders in our industry, mm-hmm. and I'm giving a self title to that. I, I think we are <laughs> self titled grandmaster, self titled grandmaster, uh, <laughs> chief of lettuce is what I call my production manager and partner. Um, but no, it's it's a great question because I I've always had an entrepreneurial you know mindset and, and background, and I think that word has kind of gotten loosely thrown around nowadays. Most people, <laughs> yes, if they if they're self employed to any capacity, feel like they're an entrepreneur, and that's not really what the definition is. Um, so for me, to be in an industry now t- that we're really trying to create change and fill a void, to me, this is the biggest entrepreneurial step I've made in my 10, 12 years of being out in in the workforce. And so I, I like to look at how I give advice still from that perspective. And it's, it's been challenging to say the least over mm-hmm. the last year, because you don't have a model to follow, right? right? Everything we're doing is kind of creating from the ground up and it, it's tougher that way. Cause it's a lot easier if you're stepping into an industry, it's a lot easier if you buy a franchise from something, right? And you, you know, <laughs> you can follow these steps or tweak these steps. Right. Um, these are, we're creating our own and then having to go from there. So, um, some of the things from that standpoint is to just take risks, you know, figure out what that threshold is for yourself uh, and the younger you can start, the better. Because obviously, as you get older and you have... It's easier to recover when it you're is. 18 than it when is. you're 38. You know, I, got, I, I had a lot of success in real estate at a very young age uh, and got crushed in real estate at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And those are some of my biggest learning points came from that. You know, the most mistakes I ever created and, and it allowed for the most growth. Uh, which kind of leads into my second piece of advice, too, is to always be learning. Um, I've noticed anytime I've kind of become stagnant and I'm not pushing myself to develop new skills and learn new things, 
um, when you're not gro- when you're not learning, you're not growing, and when you're not growing, you're you're dying, you're declining. Mm-hmm. So I think it's super important to always, no matter what stage of life you are, what you're doing, um, to always be trying to learn something new and, and better yourself. Um, the, probably the biggest thing I've learned over the last year, and especially even my younger twenties with the real estate, is embrace failure. You know, <laughs> uh, you laugh because you know how that goes, and I'm sure a lot yes. of what I'm saying too is kind of a theme you might see amongst <laughs> a lot of people that have had some up and down of success in their life. But you know, the, the faster you can you can learn to embrace the failure, um, that's that's what's going to lead you down that path to success. And uh, you know, f- fail often and fail as often as you can, and 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 learn from it. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And it's important to have a, in that regard a short term memory. As long as you can fail forward, fail forward. Yep. You're moving towards it. Right, right. If, if, that's, if you can fail forward the faster you can, the better off you're going to be. Right. And like I said, I always joke too, it's important for someone to, to really in that, that aspect of your life have a short-term memory. Right. You know, be able to, to move on, take what you can. Like, what's and, the worst that could happen? Well, I could go broke. Okay. Yeah. I've been broke before. Probably going to be broke again at some point. <laughs> and that's okay. It's all, it's all part of the journey is what I'm, I've really realized over the last 10 years. And and probably most recently for me too is to focus on what you can control, and I think that goes across Ooh. any aspect of your life, uh, your your personal relationships um, and your professional life. If you waste energy focusing on things you can't control, you are going to find yourself in this vicious cycle that's yeah. very difficult to get out of. Yeah. And I've, you know, it's growing plants now. Lettuce for a living has really <laughs> uh, started to make me further embrace that because it's. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, but there's a lot of things I always tell my team, we're learning something new every day and we're learning as we go. So let's control the things that we can control and mm-hmm. do the best we can with that. And that's kind of become part of that motto for me as well, because it, you have constantly th- things you're battling and dealing with personally. And if you let people and situations take your energy and there's nothing you can do about it, you're just, you're wasting your time. And I, I, I would assume, which may be a wrong assumption, which is why I'm saying it out loud, even in a controlled growing environment, what was that? Uh, controlled CEA. Yep, controlled environmental ag is kind of controlled what Controlled environmental agriculture. Mm-hmm. Even in that situation, there are still things beyond your control. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not Absolutely. like you just dial everything in and have perfect lettuce a month later. No, I mean, uh, you know, we're working with technology and the yeah. more moving parts you have, the more points of failure you can have, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? And it could be something as simple as power failure. Um, you got to think, you know, we're mm-hmm. controlling everything and that's to our advantage. Uh, in most, <laughs> until most, there's a hiccup with the power. So you better believe we you have lost power for four hours. Right. So now we have generators for our farms and yeah, it's something that very kind of, duh, that's obvious <laughs> you, when you're just getting up and going, all you're worried about is what can I do to right. get by and How grow. How can I make and, it to next Monday? Right. So <laughs> you don't think about some of those things until it happens to you. Right. Uh, and then the last thing too is really, but I've learned personally the last couple of years with, what I've had going on is do what makes you happy. And I know that sounds cliche and so many people tell you that, you're, especially when you're growing up, oh, well, you know, do what you enjoy and the money will follow. I believe that to some extent, but I do believe what's most important is to find what makes you happy and, and fulfills you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sometimes the money will come. I know plenty of jobs where there isn't a lot of money, but I know those people can be really happy. Right. And I know that even at 32 years old, I've made a lot of money at times and it d- didn't necessarily change my happiness. It might allow you to have certain things or access to certain things right. that can result in some type of you know, short-term joy and stuff. But really for me, it's what can I do that fulfills me mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and drive towards that. You know, the last thing you want to do is just kind of go through life and, and, and get to that, yeah. the end, of, end stage and realize that you really never 
experience the things you want to experience or pursue the things you want to pursue. And there's nothing worse, I think, to me, in my mind, than getting old and having regrets for stuff like that. So figure out what makes you happy. If you're not happy at work, um, you know, throw away the excuses and justifications of why you got to keep the nine to five or why you got to keep the job and, and find a way to, to do it. What fulfills you. There you go. Awesome. Man, it's so good. I'm thinking of, uh, where like do what you love and money follows and you're right. Sometimes it's not the case. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, what you love is like, mm, there is no market for that, but Follow what you love anyway. How are you going to know if there's no market for that without trying? Right. You know, I was reading, um, I don't know if you've heard of Seth Godin. Name sounds familiar. Um, so he, I, I read his blog every single day. And today was like, they did everything wrong. <clears throat> and he's talking about sriracha. It's like, <laughs> you know, their recipe was not patented. They used like four or five different fonts on their label. Um, all sorts of things that marketers would not say this is the way to do it. Right. And yet this stuff, you know, crushed it. Everybody loves sriracha hot sauce. And the best part of that is so many people came in, took advantage of some right. of their shortfalls with that stuff, and still they dominate. Yeah, My, still sriracha least, is, I mean, it's like, it's like, oh, this is like sriracha's knockoff. Right. But it's not sriracha. And it's not as good, though. Yeah, it's not I as mean, good. it's not as good. It's not as good. So, yeah, no, it's, and you never know, too. Like, for me, you, most people don't get into farming because, why? Mm -hmm. They think it's, there's no money. They think right. it's a tough, tough, back-breaking industry, and there's not a whole lot of reward. They're right, but yeah. <laughs> but it's funny when you really go after something and, and it's something that really matters most to you and, and you become just obsessed with it, you've, you can create new markets, Yes, right? You know, and that's yeah. kind of what we're doing. It's, we're trying to take an age-old industry and bring a different spin to it and, and learn how to make a, a true business that has you know, good margin and can still be mm -hmm. impactful. That's the biggest right. thing to me is it's a win-win for what I'm trying to do. And if you can find that for yourself... Just because it's maybe a you know career or job that doesn't usually bring a lot of money, you never know what new way you're going to come about that's maybe going to allow you to 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 be you know lucrative and successful in that that field. Right on. Oh my gosh, so much good stuff that I'm just going to spend the next week pretty much unpacking <laughs> after our conversation here. But as we continue to move forward, let's let's jump into the final four. We got four questions. Okay. To, to, to run through. When you pause from everything you have going on, three companies, lettuce, chief lettuce grower, chief... That, that's Matt, my partner. Okay. Chief, chief of lettuce. He, he's the chief of lettuce. You know, when you pause from everything, what, what do you do for fun, Andrew? You know, what do you do to decompress? That's a good question because what used to just always be work and being consumed by work, mm -hmm. I still... I still don't have the best work personal life balance, but it is fun for me. So even the, the long hours I put in, I really, really enjoy what I do day in and day out. So a lot of that does carry over into my, my evenings and personal time. But so when I'm totally removed from farming, um, I have really taken joy in, in the simpler things. So I'm still actually into the reef hobby, the aquarium hobby. Uh, nice. My wife, my wife was sweet enough <laughs> to allow me get a much bigger tank this past Christmas. So, I probably spend way too much time now tinkering <laughs> with my coral and fish, and also spend way too much money in there too. She'd probably kill me if she hears this. <laughs> but uh, that, you know, that to me, it's uh, it allows me to just kind of decompress and have some downtime. I love being outdoors. Uh, we bought a home in Park Circle two years ago, and I slowly have been kind of doing the little upgrades, especially out outside that I've wanted to do with landscaping awesome. and. 
uh, that, that has probably been the second and even not even the fun stuff. I love just even getting out there early Sunday mornings and doing the, the weed eating and the lawn mowing, the stuff that typically people want to pay other people to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy doing and I'm not doing any of that. I love being at the pool and in the beach. Um, I, I love all things water. If, if it's not nice. clear by still having the, the reef <laughs> tank 20 something years later, I love to be in the ocean. And plenty of opportunity for that in the low country. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Kayaking. Uh, and so we love our neighborhood too. So even if it's just, you know, taking a little golf cart around and nice. checking out, supporting other shops and stuff, whatever you can do, just kind of spend time with friends and family and, and enjoy some quiet time. And who knew that park circle would be where it is today I, from yeah, 10 that, years ago, 10 years right? ago. I, like, I, I mm, funny, nope. funny enough, even when I moved back, my buddy who came to open one of the restaurants with me was moving. He said, I'm looking in Wagner Terrace. And I said, Oh no, that's I think that's still a pretty <laughs> sketchy area. Once you get past the cross town, it's questionable. And here I, I spent the last five years living down there paying astronomical prices right. because that was the place to be downtown. And uh, yeah, now, you know, two years later to see Park Circle, um, when we bought our home, I told my wife, look, you love this property. It's the right price point for us. Mm-hmm. Let's not look at this, though, as just an investment of how much money we'll make over the next couple of years. And because I personally thought the market was already kind of getting to be right. at its tipping point uh, in Park Circle. And here we are 24 months later, and I'm watching the prices continue to climb and the demand continue to increase and more and more people. People are still moving here. People are still moving here. And it's really nice, too, to see some of these old, rundown they little warehouses. They all need lettuce. They all need lettuce. I'll have to put that on the back of a T-shirt. The... Um, this is the transformation too with the businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got yeah. some cool breweries and uh, a new like furniture shop that took over like an old garage that now allows all these small little vendors to come in and showcase their their antiques or whatever they do for um, uh, you know providing some of their their craft is really really neat. So nice. spending time getting to see those stores grow in the, in the area has been really cool too. What would you say you're most excited about as you look forward in the next year, personally, professionally? Uh. Well, there's, there's probably a couple of things for me on the horizon, right? I'm 32. Yeah. I've been yeah. married for a couple of years now. So uh, getting close to wanting to start a family. All right. Uh, getting excited about that. I'm, I'm probably still about, I'm, I'm saying two years out on that. The wife's, <laughs> the wife's probably more like a year out on that. But that, that personally is what kind of that next step that I'm, I'm getting excited for and trying to kind of mentally that's prepare for. That's a whole nother level. Whole nother level. Whole nother level. Yeah. Especially for someone that's so consumed <laughs> by what they do for a living. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a big change for me, uh, what I do day to day, but professionally, um, we've really have spent this last year kind of ironing out a lot of the kinks. Uh, and we've now again, kind of come together collectively with these three companies and we're really looking to, to hit it hard over the next 12 months. You got your operations dialed in. Yeah. We're we're working through that. The The manufacturing piece is kind of dialing in their final things. The, the automation, the technology piece has kind of gotten us where we need to be. Um, so we're going to be scaling up pretty, pretty fast, pretty rapidly. Like I mentioned, we're doing, you know, 13 farms in operation right now. Our goal over the next 12 months is to bring four of those farms on every month. Uh, and you know, the end goal, the end goal over the next 12 to 18 months is to have a hundred farms in production. So, you know, half a million heads of lettuce a month growing and, and really, you know, spread out through South Carolina, North Carolina and, and start to kind of dominate our little sector of the market. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how, how can folks get in touch with you? How can they find you? Like, where can they find their lettuce, for yep. one? How can they find you online? How can they follow what you're doing? All that stuff. Yeah, instead of rattling off every restaurant location, um, the website's the best way. Okay, check uh, the we're, website we're for still, where the stuff we're is. We're still small enough that my direct number, I'm probably going to regret saying this, but my direct cell phone number is still on that website. My direct email is on the website. So if anyone has any interest, if people would like to come take a tour, we always love doing tours. 
Obviously, the busier we get, the tougher it is to accommodate last minute. So we do ask people don't just stop by, but shoot us a, an email, give us a call. We're happy to, to have a group or an individual come through and, and get to actually tour our farms, whether it be in Somerville or our new locations in Charleston. Um, and then check out your local grocery stores, Harris Teeters, mm-hmm. Lowe's. Um, we're getting a tremendous amount of support from these larger grocer chains that are, awesome. it's, it's nice to see them seeing the value in these smaller farms and supporting their local their vendors the way they are. So, uh, and then the farmer's markets, uh, farmer's John, market. John's that's, Island that's, that's farmer's market. You. Yeah. Um, John's Island is big and good one for us. Somerville is a great market. So, uh, we, you know, we try to get, get around town as much as we can. So just uh, check the website for updates. Awesome. Uh, question number four is a parting piece of advice. A parting piece of advice. Parting piece of advice for our listeners. Mm. That's a good one too. Um, I would have to say whatever it is that you are doing in life, um, have it be, whatever it is that you're doing, be the best you. Mm. You know, uh, whether it's personal, professional, um, don't do anything uh, mediocre and, and average intent. You know, go out there and, and make the best effort you can. And I think that's always going to allow you to have the most fun and, and have the most success. Right. That's awesome. That's excellent. All right. Bonus round. Okay. Bonus <laughs> round. So the answer to the, the no holds barred, just, you know, shoot from the hip <clears throat> with everything you have going on right now. What is keeping you sane? What's saving your life? Is it a tool, piece of technology, a device, a relationship, a book? Uh, I would probably have to say my my wife mm. is what probably keeps me grounded because um, we both have gone through a lot uh, individually, you know, obviously together in, right. in our marriage, but both on both sides personally that we've had to really support each other. And it's been tough, especially to have to go through what we've gone through uh, in the first couple of years of marriage. It's strengthened us and it's allowed us both to just... To Im- embrace and appreciate the simple things, right? I really try, and, and I've I've been a little bit more fortunate than Elizabeth, my wife. She's still trying to work through this, but I try to just really disconnect when I get done with my day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy for people to always take everything home with them and stay frustrated with a coworker or the drama, whatever it is. And for me, it's, you know... Especially in our always-on right. culture. You gotta, yeah. And that's what, I mean, we've, we've changed so much. What used to be a 30 to 40-hour work week is now, you know, you're expected to do 45, 50, 60. You know, most yeah. entrepreneurs will work 60, 70, 80 hours. And that work-life balance has really been lost. Um, and I think it's truly important to work really hard. But to me, t- like you said, turning it off... You have to have a reset. Super, you, you, you got to. to. You got to. So I, can, I could truly have a not-so-good day where I have a lot of things kind of blow up in my face. And I have made a huge, huge effort lately to, when I come home and I walk through that door, it, it's, I'm right. done for the day. We'll it's, put all this down. You know, let's, what can I do to enjoy It'll my, still be there tomorrow. It, it will be, I, yeah, <laughs> I promise you that. Anywhere. It's not going anywhere. So that's, that's what kind of helps keep me grounded is the relationship I built with my wife and how we feed off each other with that. And really when we get home at night, having that be our time and, and kind of leaving the baggage at the door, if you will. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, Wow. And awesome are the two words that describe our whole conversation. I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. Oh, I appreciate you today, having me. This, is, uh, this has been fun. Never got your, story, your story is amazing. What y'all are doing is incredible. Uh, I'm just glad that y'all are here doing what you're doing, having a huge impact, not only in Somerville, but way beyond. This is awesome. Yeah, I didn't even. We didn't get to talk about. We work with a lot of different nonprofits, donating a lot of produce between the. We'll have to have you guys back on the show at some point so we can talk more. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. We'd love to come back anytime. Listeners, please check out Vertical Roots. Uh, Check out where where you can find 
their produce, restaurants, grocery stores here locally. I mean, literally, there's a Harris Teeter across the street from where we're recording this. And I'm going to go check it out this afternoon for our next Taco Tuesday. <laughs> but follow them, what they're doing. Uh, if this has spoken to you, this conversation, share it with somebody that needs to hear it. If you like what we're doing here with Somerville Advice Givers, subscribe, listen, share with the community. Our goal is to give a platform to local ideas to spread, to have a greater impact. We've had Andrew Hare with Vertical Roots as our guest today. Andrew, again, thank you so much. Thank you. You appreciate it. You've been listening to the Somerville Advice Givers podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. I'm your host, Yaden Smith, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>